Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at what you're doing to me. This is Curate Curiosity. Welcome to Best Trip, Worst Trip, a travel podcast full of stories and recommendations for experiences around the world. I'm your host, Dietrich. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this episode or another will help you choose your next travel destination. In this episode, we'll be talking about life in Spain and the Dominican Republic with Jess Oliver, a study abroad grad student from Tennessee. So grab a seat, pop open your Google Maps, and let's get started. Joining us for a quick episode of Best Trip, Worst Trip. Uh, we're going live for today. Jess and I are both involved in the Instituto Franklin program here in Alcalá de Hernández, out inside of the capital Madrid in Spain. So yeah, we're going to just hear a little bit more about her story and jump into some of her travel. Uh, she seems to be quite a traveler. I like to think myself a traveler, but every time I scroll through Instagram or hear about where other people have been, I'm always uh, intrigued. So this should be a sweet conversation. So uh, yeah, let's just start off with just a little bit of your story. So how did you, you know, get here and how did you hear about the program? Yeah, tell us about yourself. I'm from Tennessee in the United States. I went to Tennessee Tech and I studied international business first, but I originally had some Spanish credits already coming in. So I finished out a Spanish major as well. I originally, I graduated at the end of 2019, but due to COVID, I chose to defer my application for a year. So I was originally supposed to be here last year, but with all the uncertainty, I was like, let me just wait it out. I did. And now here I am. Sweet. Awesome. Any more you want to tell us about your life back in Tennessee or just kind of life through college for you? Yeah. Life through college was interesting. I um, was a student athlete all four years. I played volleyball. Super fun time. I don't regret it, but there are some things where I'm like, dang, like if I wasn't an athlete, I would have had time for this, this, and this. You know, I like to make new friends and talk to people and be involved in a lot of stuff. So my nickname on campus was that I was the mayor of Tennessee Tech. <laughs> because I did obviously um, hang out with a lot of the athletes, but I also tried to get involved in other organizations. Um, most of the time, athletes tend to just stay with athletes, but, and they were cool, but I was like, you know, I want like some engineering friends, you know, I want some people from the biology department or the random majors on campus. That's interesting. I kind of have one question. The idea of studying abroad, I know that that was like a gem for me. Like that was my experience. Like first, second year of college, I was a football player, like D3 athlete, mm -hmm. um, kept getting hurt. So I was like, I'm done with this. So. I uh, I bailed on that, and I'm really glad I did because my junior year, I was able to study abroad. But I guess that's my question. Is this kind of like taking that that space, or were you able to study abroad or do some of those other, like, travel things, internships in the summer? Um, yeah, what was that like? So luckily, I was able to study abroad. Um, it's kind of funny how it worked out because usually in the summers, by a certain date, we would have to be back on campus for the most part. And we were allowed to have internships but you know the coaches will really be pushing you like hey you're on your own by yourself make sure you do a b and c 
And it is kind of challenging to do that by yourself because your team is kind of like your motivation. They're they're there to help support you and do what make you make sure you do what you're supposed to do. Let's see. I studied abroad in May of 2018, so usually we had to be back by June at a certain point. Lucky for me, well, not lucky. I I tore my ACL this season before, so I was still on that recovery stage. I wasn't really obligated to do the specific type of workouts that everybody else was supposed to do. So my coach allowed me to go to the Dominican Republic for a month where I got to receive college credit. So it ended up working out. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that's like a really aligned trip with, uh, with one of the trips we're going to jump into. I guess one of the bigger things I'm going to ask maybe before we pivot deeper into that story about the DR is, yeah, is there anything from your story that has kind of made you value travel in a different way? Like, is there anything specifically that inspires travel for you from, from being from Tennessee, from growing up, how you grew up, or just your story, Joe? A lot of what motivates me to travel is just not wanting to be very small-minded. And of course, you cannot be small-minded not travel, but just me being curious about different cultures, how different people take things differently, um, I think traveling is vital in kind of understanding that. Also, obviously, I wanted to learn Spanish in a different light. Um, Spanish in Spain is very different from Spanish in the Dominican Republic. Another motivation for that is that I worked at OBGYN clinic, and I was the only person that spoke Spanish. Now, I wouldn't consider myself like, you know, C1 level, completely fluent or whatever, but, yeah. you know, I could definitely communicate and get around. But since I was the only one who spoke Spanish, a lot of the patients preferred to come to me, even though I wasn't completely fluent. Like, they just appreciated that I tried. It was just really interesting working there because since I was the only one, a lot of people expected a lot from me. Like, hey, can you tell this person that they have an embolism in their arm? And I'm like, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Plus, I don't want to be held liable for that because of my you know, level of Spanish. So it was like trying to explain to them how fluent I actually was. There's just a whole lot of things that go into interpretation too, which is kind of why I would like to travel because it goes back to using those certain words or even like a specific jargon within a language. Like even in English, if you talk about real estate or if you talk about medical terms, I mean, even in English, it sounds like a whole different language to somebody who doesn't know the topic. I 100% identify with that. I mean my language start was very similar of, of wanting to just kind of explore language after moving to Chicago. That's kind of my arc. And then from there, it's like getting connected to these families. And then it's, like you said, wanting to go abroad and getting there and then coming back. And like you said, having people be like, oh, we're doing this toy giveaway around Christmas at the church. And like, nobody else can speak to these people. Yeah. So <laughs> make sure they get the right things and their paperwork's filled out. And I'm like, translating forms and like checking their bills and stuff like I'm like I have no idea right but yeah it, it kind of was a hook though because that made me just want to know more right yeah it's very motivating yeah huge motivator huge motivator it sounded like you were kind of telling us a little bit about the Dominican Republic so I can't remember if that's your best trip or your worst trip or if you want to tell that now or not but uh I'm sure we'll figure it out as you tell us about it right <laughs> tell us about your travels Yes, the Dominican Republic was the first time that I went abroad ever. Um, absolutely loved it. I wouldn't say it's deemed my best or worst trip, but there were different aspects of the trips that 
were the best and then some aspects that probably could have been better. <laughs> so it was just a great time. But <laughs> I think it was because I was actually fulfilling something that I wanted to do for a long time. Um, I learned the language a lot more. I made lots of new friends, which, you know, like I already said, that's my area that I love to do. Make friends, talk to people, um, learn different stuff about people, maybe stuff that I've never known. So that was a really good place to do that and improve my Spanish. The best thing, hands down, was the food. <laughs> I love to eat. So I had mangu, I had platanos in different types of ways. I stayed with the host. I say family, but it was really just an older lady and her dog. But she was great. She cooks for me all the time. So that was very convenient. Is the food was just it was absolutely amazing. I can't describe it. I don't it was just it was great. So it sounds like you stayed within that like confines. Did you travel at all while you were in the DR or was it like a month? What are we looking at here? It was for a month. I did travel a little bit. I don't know what city I went to. So I had a friend named Emilio who I met through one of my other classmates and he's from the DR. I was in Santo Domingo, so the capital. And so he was showing us all the big like monuments of the city, big major parks, um, statues. And then he knew some people that lived outside of the city, which is something that I value. So he took me to some place, I don't know where it is, but it was in El Campo was what they would call it. Like kind of in oh, the yeah. side or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was like a family with a huge farm, like I'm talking turkeys, rabbits, um a whole bunch of plants they grew a lot and it was nice just getting away and like looking at the greenery you know because the city is full of like you know huge buildings a lot of people and it was kind of relaxing i also got to travel to some other beaches as well that were not in south Domingo. um so that was nice but i managed to do all this in a month but emilio had a car which was very convenient <laughs> so good so stuff make, make friends with people who have cars were there any other major restaurants or anything that like was like, oh, if you go to Santo Domingo, you gotta go here? Or were you more just kind of like flowing with the locals, not really doing the eating out kind of thing? I more was kind of like with the locals. Um, we did go to, it wasn't really a club. It was like a, I guess it was like a bar, but where they played bachata music. And yeah. bachata. <laughs> so I got to like dance with a couple of people there, which was really fun. Um, so I guess that was the most I did as far as like nightlife and going out. Yeah. Um, but it was still super fun. I definitely recommend, I don't remember the name. I have to probably look it up for you. But it was really good. Um, great drinks, great food. And the atmosphere was just live. Everybody was friendly. Um, somebody thought I was Dominican. And I was like, yeah. no, they turned out being from the States too. <laughs> so yes. that was a very funny re uh, interaction. But that's yeah. hilarious yeah they do look like us down there so yeah yeah. That's good. That's good. yeah any other experiences then down there while you were traveling like you said you went out to this farm that sounds like a pretty like intense like awesome moment and a mm -hmm. great memory any other standout experiences or favorite moments that are like i was in the dr this will always be how i see this space or this one weekend or first time doing this definitely um so i kind of have two things one um there's these men that are called piropos. Do you know what piropos are? I no. Idea. They're basically like men that kind of like, they don't have to be in the street, but most of the time I saw them in the street, 
is basically trying to mack on the women that they think are like, very pretty or whatever. So <laughs> nobody like um I don't take this offensively. Nobody like tried to mack. But um it was funny trying to like see them shoot their shot with other people. And the the thing about them is that it's not like they shoot their shot and once they their shot gets blocked, they stop. They just are persistent. So it's like Oh yeah, like what's up, mommy? Like you trying to come meet here or whatever? And then they, right. like, the women just keep walking, and then they just keep walking with them. So it's entertaining, like outside looking in. But I'm sure if I was that one, I'd be like, mm, kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Yeah, but um, it was just like I, it was something that I saw every day, and the fact that there was like a term coined to these certain men, I thought that was just very funny. So when you go to the DR, if you guys ever go to the DR, be on the lookout for that. <laughs> just be careful so all right yeah know that those dudes are out there yes they will shoot they shot they will keep shooting the other thing um which probably would be deemed as like my worst experience thankfully it didn't turn out bad but there was a guy and i think he owned like this place where you could go convert your cash so if you had u.s dollars you can convert your money to pesos um and so i don't know the con i'm I don't know exactly what happened in the situation, but apparently one guy came and I think he was trying to steal money or it seemed like he was trying to steal money. So the owner of the shop, like we were sitting here conversing with him, like, you know, I had my Dominican friend with me and she was like, hey, she wants to convert her US dollars. Um, he like stops mid conversation and he's like, excuse me. So he goes out of the shop. We can see him and trying to like chase this guy down, pulls out a gun and I'm like, Oh my goodness, like somebody's gonna die. <laughs> like I just I started out. But apparently, like I guess that's normal because she was sitting here standing beside me, like, okay, here we go again. And I'm like, again, like, girl, has a gun. <laughs> like, but he didn't like take it out completely, but I think it was just trying to just basically threaten the guy. But then, you know, when the guy saw the gun, he like backed up somewhere else, and then the guy came back in. And acted like nothing happened. He was like, so you're wanting to convert pesos? And I'm like, uh, do I want to do that here? <laughs> right. Are you going to follow me home? Or right. No, seriously. I'm like, Michelle, her name was Michelle. I'm like, Michelle, do we need to go somewhere else? Nah, girl, we good. I was like, Bro. okay. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So I think like stuff like that is, I hate to say lax, but you know, if that happened in the States, that would be a huge deal. So at least where I'm from. So yeah. yeah, you got to keep your head on the swivel out there. That's uh, that's wild that you went through that. I'm glad that that went okay because I think that that would, I mean, especially your first time being abroad, that would be horrible to have yeah. that story go sour and then you're like, ah, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. que tenemos aquí vamos a traer envidia si nos mantenemos así pero bebé solo quiero tu amor entre tú y yo existe calor contigo me siento mejor quiero crecer a tu lado mi flow dime whatever te escucho well the dr sounds like a spot worth visiting i've never been but um we'll definitely get up with you to get some of those recommendations hammered out and uh push those out to the people. Um, what other trip uh, did you want to tell us about today? 
just this trip to Spain, um, this is the second time that I've been abroad. I don't have like, I guess a whole lot to share because I don't think I've really had a horrible experience first. The most frustrating thing has just been trying to get adjusted. But I've had friends that help me out with that a lot, especially friends in the Teach and Learn program who this is their second or third year doing it. Whereas this is my first, I'm like, where do I find a bank account? Where do I find a phone plan? How do I get Wi-Fi? Where is this person? And like, I've never taken public transportation before in my life. So in the DR, obviously I had Emilio and he took me pretty much everywhere or I walked everywhere. Like I walked to school every day. So I didn't even take it in the States, I don't think, or maybe when I was younger, but I was always with somebody. So here, <laughs> I was super confused. For example, I was on the bus and I think usually in the States, if you're either on the bus or like maybe maybe the Metro, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. There's like these little handles that you can pull down to request that, you know, you want to stop at the next stop. Yeah. I just thought the bus stopped at every single stop. So there, there, there was one stop where I was the only person getting off and I didn't press the button. Like in here, they have the buttons where you press stop. But the first button that I saw like that was by the handicap section. So I was like, oh, that's an emergency button. Like somebody can press that if they're like broken out or something. They need the bus to stop. That's fancy. That's what's up. No, it was the request to stop. It's just like getting adjusted to stuff like that. Yeah, what uh, what has been your, your major, major pain points around culture shock here for this trip? <laughs> so one of them, um, people stare a lot here. I don't know if you've noticed that. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot. So at first, I didn't know, if I'm being completely honest, um, I didn't know if that people were not seeing like black people so they were like it was out of curiosity or um if it was just what they did here i don't like at first like that was my feeling so i'm like okay i don't really know how to take this plus you know i'm from the south of the u.s so where we have southern hospitality we acknowledge somebody even if we don't know them like oh hey how you doing you having a good day okay like have a good day like you know yeah. just, i would just say you know hola buena like people just walking past not not all people but i don't know if it was because like they couldn't really tell that i was talking to them through the mask or if southern hospitality or something equivalent is not done here or what but i had a lot of people just keep walking and staring at me like okay <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah that's something to get used to for sure but i found out um at least within my class at teach and learn um that other people felt that way too it wasn't just me so once i found that out i was like, okay i feel a little now i just let you stare i guess i can't stop them so yeah yeah it's always back and forth with me too because sometimes it's like kids and stuff or whatever sometimes it's like i don't know if they think that they know me uh i've had a couple people think that they know me and i was like oh, i'm not that new yeah i'm new here uh <laughs> so it's all good but um yeah yeah that's definitely one for me i think another one for me has been just uh adjusting to like time differences like i'm not always like on time but i think coming up how i came up and growing up in the family i did it was like i can't be the one that's like always late right <laughs> so being on time for stuff and then being like oh maybe it'll start maybe it won't is like confusing because right. like i'm gonna be there like i can't not I can't be late every time. Like, I've been late. Social things, yeah, that makes sense. But, like, work stuff or, like, classes, it just feels, it just feels different. It just feels different. So that's been, that's the one for me for sure. It's trying to adjust to, uh, yeah, just a different, 
like a non-timetable timetable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What you said about time, definitely because when I was playing volleyball, we had a 10-minute rule. So if we had an event and it started at 8 o'clock, we always had to be there at 7.50. And if you came at 7.51, you had to run. So some of that is still like, innate in me like it's still like oh i have to be there 10 minutes early and then i think just you're not playing volleyball anymore so it's okay if you arrive at like if it's an eight o'clock event 7 55 um especially here because that's considered very early whereas like yes. we have fridays at 3 30 i try to get there you know between 3 20 or you no know, yeah 3 25 and 3 30 and we start class to like for real for real until 3 45. <laughs> right. so that's definitely been an adjustment too yeah yeah, I think it's just interesting because, yeah, coming from a teaching background, especially we're in a school where, like, the bell schedule is, like, king, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't have bells in my school. So it's like the class what? starts when people are ready, when everyone's there, or whatever. So I'm just like, yes. it's, it's very different. So it's not bad. I think it gives you different, like, messages or whatever. But, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Uh, any other things you want to talk about maybe on the positive side with being here? Have you experienced any uh, good eating like you did down in uh, the DR? Or any um, restaurants you're like, yo, got to check this out. Yes. Uh, surprisingly, it's not a Spanish restaurant. It's an Indian restaurant called oh. Shiva. And it's in Alcalá de Henares. So, yeah, Shiva is definitely a restaurant you got to try. It's really good. Um, I haven't had the samosas yet. Um, I plan to go back. We've, we've gotten to see a little bit out here, a little bit in Madrid. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to know what, what if anything, you've gotten to, I don't know, go and do or explore out here. To be honest, it hasn't been too much or maybe as far as like, you know, museum and what Madrid is known for. Not really stuff like that. I did go to an amusement park about two weekends ago. Okay. That was, that was pretty fun. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was basically like a music park in the U.S., but I think it was just different seeing, like, the cultural differences. Like, you know, at the concession stand, it's not just what well, was hot dogs, but not like what people in the States would think of as hot dogs. It was like papas fritas con salchichas. So it was like, basically, I know salchichas is like sausage, but I think it was just hot dogs on fries with a whole bunch of ketchup or whatever. So I guess the common staple at least in Madrid, I don't know about all of Spain. And just different stuff on the menu. It was it was interesting, but it was really fun though. What was the name of the spot? It was called Parque de Atracciones, Madrid. Okay. Sweet, did it have like a Six Flags vibe to it kind of thing? Yeah, it was a little bit smaller than Six Flags. Well, the only one I've been to was in as far as Six Flags, but it was definitely smaller than that. But the rides were super fun and the lines weren't as long as like the Six Flags in Atlanta. <laughs> So I definitely was okay with that. And the fact that we stayed there, I think we got there about 12, 31 o'clock and we stayed there until about like nine at night. So as the, the day went on, the lines got shorter anyway. What, uh, what's on the horizon? Do you have some travel plans in the budget for the year? What's up? To be honest, I don't, but I'm very open to it. If it's possible, which I haven't looked into it yet. Um, I know Morocco is not too far. And I have a friend from Morocco. So <laughs> she told me, hey, like you can go visit my family. They have like a beach house. And I was like, oh. And she's like, oh, they'll take care of you. I said, oh, I'm there already. You just tell me a date. <laughs> so that's something I, I looked into, but I don't know like the COVID restrictions or what that would look like, you know, financially on my part. So, but that's definitely an idea. Um, 
and I have a couple of friends playing basketball overseas in Europe. So if they're not too far from Spain, thought about visiting them. But again, you know, nothing set in stone. I'm just gonna see what happens and what I can make do. So. That's awesome. Yeah, you'll have to let me know about the Morocco thing because I've never been to Africa. Um, and I've been in all these countries in Europe and I'm like, no, I got to I gotta get to Africa. Even if it's just North Africa, like Egypt, right. South, like Tunisia, all this stuff, like I'll still take it. But I, I mean, I got to get to the continent. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me know if you go because uh, I might have to tap and connect. Well, thank you so much, Jess. I appreciate you for coming out. And Jess is... Um, really doing some great content kind of unearthing this experience um and i am so glad that we got to connect it look at look at look at look at follow us on instagram to see a travel feed of photos and videos from this episode and others if you listened last season then you know i quit my job and moved abroad currently we live in spain and we bounce around europe whenever we get the chance some of the episodes this season, I'll walk you through a few trips we've taken using something I like to call sexy guides. This Google list of stays, eats, experiences, and your must-see unforgettable moments is what I'll share to hopefully inspire you to send me recommendations for these places and others before you get up, get out, and start seeing the world. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this episode or another will help you choose your next travel destination.